Hello and we're back with the, another edition of the SCJ Prep Podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. Thank you so much for joining us once again. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Zach James and alongside with me, as always, it's Sports Editor Justin Rutz. Coming up in this episode, we'll talk uh, some basketball and some wrestling as well as we are uh, f- head first into the winter season and uh, approaching the holiday season. We'll start with some basketball stuff. And uh, here to take things over for the first part of the podcast, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Justin Rust. Yeah, it's early in the basketball season, but a lot of big things have been happening in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we'll start with the Healing Girls basketball team specifically. It's been kind of a whirlwind last week for them. Uh, last week they lost to East. Uh, East goes into the rankings at number 15, but Healing only moves down to number four. That's, that's basically kind of because of what they did this week. I mean, I know game tonight's team doesn't go toward the ranking, but right. you know, since, since losing to East, you know, they, they, they've kind of dominated this week, including tonight's uh, win over Lamar's. And, you know, um, Heelan's really bounced back in a big way this week, it seems. I agree. I think Heelan uh, has kind of gotten their footing back. And maybe the, those that early loss to East was a blessing in, in disguise to make them realize that they aren't perfect. They aren't invincible. They aren't just going to cakewalk all the way to the state tournament in the morning. And I think... Having a loss like that early, realizing your faults, realizing your mistakes might be a good thing. And, and I saw them play on Thursday night at O'Gorman Fieldhouse against Lamar's and their defense, um, which you told me earlier tonight, it's completely true. It's their bread and butter. Uh, it was relentless in the first quarter. Uh, they went with their one three one zone press uh, defense, if you will. Um, Amber, senior Amber Asoff did a really nice job getting deflections, getting steals, and that turned into transition baskets for the Crusaders. They jumped out to a 19 to four lead, I believe, to start out the first quarter. And I think the quarter quarter at the end of the first was 21 six or something like that. It, it was lopsided. So just to have the healing come out in that strong defense, just to set the tone against. A Lamar, uh, uh, granted, a struggling Lamar's team, but whoever it was on the floor on Thursday night facing the Crusaders, just having them build that confidence for that for that defense was really, really impressive to see. And and like what um, Darren Kulstra told me at the beginning beginning of the season, expect to have that front court, front side of that um, zone defense create turnovers. Asaf, Katie Cook. Um, Ella Skinner uh, in the back of the, that zone creating problems with her size. So if, if Keelan can figure some things out defensively and, and kind of make a consistent performance defensively night after night after night, then it could snowball into something. And maybe w- will they get back to number one? Maybe. And, and is that defense really strong? Yes, it is. But will we get to see them get back to number one before late February? Maybe. Maybe that's not a maybe that's not their number one concern. I get that, but to have them snowball create a sort of a snowball effect right now, I think that's the big thing for Heelan right now. Yeah, the defense isn't going to be they'll get the de- consistent defense night in night out. That's that that that's something that I think we'll see from them. I mean, even at the state tournament, someone said you can't replicate that defense, which is what Lamar's coach said tonight too. Yes, he did. So, so it's something you can't replicate that one-three-one defense. It's the offense that needs to be consistent mm-hmm. for Heelan. I feel they got eight three-pointers tonight, and I feel they have that kind of potential. Ella Skinner is going to get her points inside. Is it? Is it? You know, it's, is it, is it basically one of the things those guards need to be consistent hitting those three balls? Because it seems like they have three to four options to hit those threes. I, I think so, and they certainly had a, a lot of options on on Thursday night. They had Sydney Pratt hit three threes in the first half. Katie Cook hit a pair, especially with the buzzer beating three to end the second quarter, which was impressive. Skinner even went outside to hit a wide open three on the wing in that win. So if the three-point shooting, and yeah, it's kind of dangerous to rely on that, but if that opens up, that opens up Skinner down low. And if when Skinner's open down low, she has opportunities to score. And yeah, she missed a couple bunnies on Thursday night, but... She'll, like you said, she'll get her points, and I think Caitlin Stanley will too. And and I think it will come down to the mid range and deep shooting. It's just like you said, it has to be consistent. And if it's consistent, then maybe these this team can put together more complete games. Yeah, because I saw a quote in there. 
where uh, Coulster said they can't play games in the 40s uh, offensively. And, and I, I agree. I thought that was really true. And, and th- like I said, Skinner's going to get her points. If they don't hit these three-pointers, it's going to be harder for her to get these mm-hmm. points, I feel. Mm-hmm. I-, I think it will, too, because defenses will uh, hone in on her, understandably, and that's correct to do so. So Skinner will have to kick it out to a cook, a Sydney Pratt, even an Aesop who also hit a three in this who hit the team's lone second half three in the win. Um, so all those guards are going to have to be ready to shoot. They're all capable of making shots. It just depends on what kind of night they're having. And you never know, regardless of what team it is, regardless if it's a bitch appealing or a downing Catholic or, or whoever. But I, I do think it comes down to consistent shooting. And I think it comes down to Skinner getting who on too, because if Skinner doesn't get hurt, doesn't do what she needs to do, then maybe the wheels fall off the wagon on a certain night, and that's not good for Keelan. But I, I agree with you. The defense, the offense, excuse me, needs to be a little bit more balanced, led by Skinner, but it also has to be supplemented by deep three-point shooting. Uh, now to the team that, you know, beat Keelan on Friday night East. They got into the rankings number 18 tonight. Um Barry Poe covered their game against West tonight. Uh, Nyadu didn't do a ton, but you know they got some good efforts from from Maddie Van Dyke. Um, do still had a decent game, but uh, this this seems like a team with a lot of potential there, especially led by Nyadu, and she seems to be you know the key here. If they can, they hit a lot of free throws tonight, which was key, but they seemed a little off tonight from what Barry was saying. What's kind of the key for East on this season? Is it relying on Dew? Is I mean, does she have the supporting cast around her? Because they're they're four and zero right now with wins over Healing. Uh, and and, and an okay win over West tonight. Yeah, I, I think Duke does have some supporting cats behind her. Kennedy McCoy is averaging 11 points a game, counting the win against West on Thursday night. Caitlin Tucker uh, averaging an even 10 points a game, having 40 points in four games. And you mentioned the free throw shooting. It's 71%, 58 of 81. That does need to improve. You can't leave free points out on the floor. That's 23 points right there that um, East has left on the floor, and that's I'm not trying to single out East there. It's I've seen mo- a lot of teams leave free throws on miss free throws on the floor. So in this early year, yeah, it's early too. I get that, but kids need to start making their free throws. But I, I, yeah, it it is Deuce team. She's averaging 19 a game right now, 76 points, shooting 57 percent, 27. Of 47, they even haven't shooting well from deep two, eight of 13, and shooting 70% from the free throw line. So, yes, everything that the black creatives do probably does revolve around do a little bit, but she does have a supporting cast around her with McCoy and Tucker. Maddie Van Dyke, it's on the cusp there with 6.8 points per game. Caleb Benson, 5.3. So, if those four or five girls can kind of find a way to take some stress off a of deal, maybe East challenges uh, towards the top of the Mirac. Yeah, Dew did have 27 points against Helan uh, on Friday night, and McCloy had 18. So, um, But, you know, after that, there was no one else over five points. So that's, that's kind of the key there. So it does seem like a Dew team. And, and she, she is a Butler recruit. She went over 1,000 points this mm. week. Um, looking at the team that they beat tonight, West, I, I've had a tough tough time trying to figure out West. They got the 20 20- Point win over Cherokee. They beat a good Spirit Lake squad who did follow the rankings. I will say that. Um, beat Sergeant Bluff, which has a good Kennedy Foley there. But, you know, a bad loss to, to, to Jefferson. Um, that's not a bad loss to East, but you lose by 90 East. Right. Only score 44 points. After that 90-point outing, they've only scored more than 50 points once, and that's against Sergeant Bluff Luton. So what, what do you kind of make of this West team? What, is it just consistency? What, what is it with them? I think it is consistency, and I, I, I'll come out and say I do like this West team. I loved how they played Tuesday night against SBL. Was it a little bit scrappy at times? Yeah, but that's how this team plays. This team plays scrappy. This team plays aggressive. This team wants, wants their opposition to feel uncomfortable and isn't afraid to push some buttons at times. Ashley Fitzgerald scored 15 points Tuesday night. Against, against the Warriors and had a big three with about two minutes to go to kind of give West that momentum it needed to get the home win on Tuesday night. And granted, they only had two other players in double figures, Braden Downs with 10 and Gabby Wagner with 
10, but Andrew Vasquez, who only had seven, was a big force down low and created problems for girls like Ellie Sneller and Kenzie Foley. Um, Naya Moore had a good night that night, too. But as you said, Thursday night slots against East. Yeah, while East is a pretty good team in its own respectable right, it's still a lot. So trading in wins for losses right now, and I would like to see them push together a little bit of a stretch where they do string together a couple wins. Will it come Monday against Helan? Maybe. Um, will it come against Lincoln? Maybe. But they play Omaha, Scott, Crofton, and then come back um, January 14th to face Lamar. So, and then play play North. So they can kind of put together a stretch where they win four or five games, something like that, to, just to give them a little that's bit a, of that's concrete. A, that's a tough stretch right there. It is. It is. Come, come up Helan. Helan, Lincoln, Scott, Crofton, Lamars. That's if, if they win four out of five out of that. That's that's they're they're jumping east. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 playing well if they win four or five of that. But if they do that, that gives them a little bit bit of concrete under their under their feet just to give them a little bit of confidence. But um, I I don't know if they win four out of those next four out of five. I think Helan's defense will frustrate West a little bit. Um, Lincoln, I, I think, will frustrate West a little bit. Don't know any, much about Scott or Crofton. And Lamar is playing against uh, Healan on Thursday night. If, if the if Lamar's sisters, her last name is escaping me off the top of my head, if the Dreckman sisters play as well as they did on Thursday night against the Crusaders, then maybe Lamar's has a chance against West. But I think West is just right there at the top tier of the conference. They're not at the very mountain mountaintop of the conference, but maybe they're a quarter of the way up up the mountain right now, and it'll be interesting to see if they climb higher on the mountain or just stay right there, but I also don't see them slipping because this is a, a pretty good, a scrappy, aggressive team that will grind out wins night in and night out. But for a scrappy team, how did they allow 45 points against a, a Jefferson team that, that only scored 14 against East. And that, that's what I'm kind of wondering, because, I mean, they gave up 45 points there, and East really shut them down. It could have just been one heck of a bad night for Jefferson, because they didn't score that low in any of the other games. But um, is it one of those, what kind of attributes to that? And if, I'm, if I'm thinking right for Scott, they're the team that uh, usually competes with South Sioux for their conference. So, okay. And South Sioux has been good for the year. So, that's sort yeah. of the next one. Yeah. I mean, Lamar's game, I think, is going to be a tight game, but this could be a stretch where they lose four of their next five games, including four in a row, because Crofton is just a powerhouse. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so how, how do they kind of bounce back from that uh, and that and that stretch? How do they kind of weather this stretch? Because it could be a rough stretch, but if they can beat Lincoln, Lincoln's kind of – it seems like you say they won't go back. They could if they lose to Lincoln, because that loss to Jefferson uh, looms large. So it's one of those things, mm-hmm. if they go on this losing streak, how do they get back to where they are? Because – I'm I'm having trouble figuring out this team, and right now I think they're kind of middle of the pack of the conference. They could slide to the bottom of the conference if they're not careful. It all depends on the senior leadership. Uh, Fitzgerald, Edwards, Hope Wagner, Kamari Jones, Braden Downs are all seniors, and Cassie Vasquez as well. So it all depends on them to bring everyone together and say, hey, yeah, we're going to go through a bumpy stretch right here. We all have to stay together and keep keep – keep on the script and, and not kind of lose ourselves and get ourselves down in this bumpy stretch. And if they do that, then we'll see how things go once they get out of this bumpy stretch. But I, 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 they can get to the bottom of the conference. But I think just, just with their scrappiness and their, their, their ability to find just ways to score, are they the best team in the conference? No, not even close. But I, I do agree with you. I think they're in that – like I said, quarter way up the mountain, maybe maybe like you compared it to, maybe in that midway part of the conference uh, group. Uh, shifting gears to the Western Valley Conference here. Um, it's been a crazy year in the Western Valley already because that's because Westwood, a team that lost a lot from last year, knocked off Kingsley Pearson this year. So if you look at the Western Valley Conference, Woodbury Central's 4-0. Not too surprising with, with Maddie Paulson back. Um, Ridgeview is 3-0. Uh, Kingsley Pearson's four and one with the loss to Westwood and still ranked. West Monona's four and one, who their one loss now is to Kingsley Pearson. OABCIG is three and one, and Westwood is two and two, even after the upset of 
of Kingsley Pearson. So Western Valley is getting a little crazy. We're going to focus a little bit here on Westwood right now. Westwood knocking off Kingsley Pearson. I think everyone was kind of shocked by that because they mm-hmm. lost a lot from last year. Uh, it's kind of kind of like a big three for them that they lost, you know, not just for, for basketball, but also for, for softball. They had mm-hmm. some pretty good people. Andy Martin, um, I'm, I'm, and Andy Martin was one of them. Uh, you had Tara Drees. Uh, she was another one. And uh, one of the Pike sisters, I believe it was Brenna Pike. Yes, uh, there you go. Yeah, Bre- Brenna, Brenna Pike was a senior last year. Her younger sister, Briley Pike, is a junior this year. So those are three really big contributors for that team last year, especially Tara Drees and Andy Martin. You lost 31 points per game there and a lot of rebounds with, with Brenna Pike in that too. Your, your top three rebounders were Drees, Pike, and Martin. 237, 169, and 122, uh, 121, yeah. and Martin had 122 assists. Drees had 40, 70, uh, 75 assists, 105 blocks. I was wondering how they bounced back. They beat Kingsley Pearson, and that was a really big win. Uh, to kind of say, like, hey, we're still around. They have a freshman, Jaden Ferris, that put up 20 points in that game. Uh, Bradley Pike had 15. And what do you kind of make about this Westwood team that just knocked off that? I mean, is this something where – a freshman shall lead them uh, in that aspect because she seems to be doing well. Uh, and Briley Pike seems to be a really good option with her too. I'm really intrigued by how Jaden is playing so far this season, just being a freshman. I didn't know anything about her. I'm sure, Justin, you didn't know much about her. I had no idea Coming about into this season yeah. about her. And she's already averaging 15 and a half points a game in these four games, shooting 14 or 33, 8 from 20 from deep. Yeah, she's been a really, really good um, surprise for the Rebels. And maybe she does become a, a, a star for the Rebels, not only for this year, but the, for the next three years. And, but you mentioned Bradley Pike ever, uh, leading the team in scoring right now with 71 points, making 15 threes so far on the season. I think she had seven in the game last Friday night um, when she scored 30 uh, plus points last Friday night against uh, Saturday, rather against Suleyn Christian. It was on Friday night, so maybe this Westwood team will be capable of finding that scoring to to kind of get over the edge. Now, granted, they are the two biggest scorers right now uh, in Pike and Ferris for the Rebels. Sam Thompson, who had a really big um, hit in a softball regional semifinal last year uh, over the summer, is averaging 33 points. Of on the basketball season, 8.3 points per game, all inside the free, the three-point line. She's 13 of 33. So maybe I think Thompson and maybe Katie Crawford, who's averaging 4.8 points per game, I think it'll come down to those four and finding ways to score on a nightly basis. And maybe like the same thing we talked about with Heelan, maybe the Rebels' big key is making three-pointers because that's kind of been their calling card this year so far. They've already made 34 on the year, and they've attempted 108 threes already on the season, so they aren't afraid to let the deep ball go, and and maybe that's their calling card, but like I mentioned with Keelan, if you, if you fall in love with the three, it can break your heart too. So I'm just interested to see how Westwood will rely on the three for the rest of the year and see how um, that'll affect them the rest of the way in the Western Valley uh, uh, schedule. Yeah, and FYI, their two losses are to Logan Magnolia and Hinton, who are combined yeah. nine and one. It's a two-point loss to Hinton. It is an 11-point loss to Logan Magnolia. They're supposed to be pretty good this year. So so those yeah. are the two losses, and you got the win over Kingsley Pearson, a nine-point win over Sudan Christian, who can be scrappy at times. They've had a rough go. I don't think they're really playing with any consistency right now. Uh, based on, on the preseason. Um, you just look at Kingsley Pearson. They lose that game to Westwood, and they bounce back with a big win over West Monona. That's West Monona's mm-hmm. first loss. That's a really good West Monona team. And how big of a win was that for Kingsley Pearson to really answer? Because all of a sudden, you lose one to West Monona, you lose another one, or lose to Westwood. If you lose to West Monona, you've got Ridgeview sitting there on, on Friday night, too, uh, on, on tomorrow night, and R- Ridgeview's 3 0, too. So, I mean, you do that, and also you, you might start getting behind the eight ball in what could be a very tough Western Valley Conference. Absolutely huge win for Kingsley Pearson on Thursday night, beating West Monona uh, 68-60 on Thursday night. Uh, Mackenzie Goodwin had 17 points. She's only a sophomore and shot really well, five of eight, uh, hit a free three-pointer and made six of eight three shots. She did foul out in the game, but uh, did did lead 
Kingsley Pearson in scoring. And then you have Jake Bardo, who I think led the team in scoring anyway in Thursday night, had 14 points in the game. Bardo does lead the team. So, no, they both have the same. Bardo and Goodwin both have 82 points on the season. So there's a good kind of balance right there. But it drops off after that. Delaney Eisminger has 31 points, and Brooklyn, Brooklyn Berry has 29 points on the season. So, obviously, the Panthers are falling in love with Bardo and Goodwin, which is, which is good, but they kind of have to find a way to get other girls involved. Bardo right now is 31 of 85 shooting. Goodwin's shooting, shooting really well right now, 32 of 55. So if it's Bardo and Goodwin on a nightly basis carrying Kingsley Pearson, good for them. But I think it's going to have to come down to maybe a third or fourth girl stepping up for the Panthers if they, if they want to make a deep run in the postseason, which I know it's early December. I get that. But this, West, this conference race is going to be crazy. Looking at another conference real quick, the, the War Eagle Conference. I just want to point out uh, on that one, too, uh, it's getting, it's a little too early to tell for this one, but Hinton, like I mentioned, was off that four and one start. Galen Catholic's out to the three and one start. Their losses to Unity Christian, who is one and one, and we have Unity Christian against MMCRU this upcoming, uh, uh, upcoming tomorrow night. So you look at the War Eagles. It's a little tough to tell. We need a little more matchups here. Um, West Sioux fell out of the rankings. Unity, had, the Schoonhovens are pretty good. If they can get more scoring mm-hmm. there too. Um, we'll see. How, MMCRU, this is their first big game here, so. I want to kind of see how things play out in the, the War Eagle Conference here too, but they, they, they've got some good teams in that in that one too. So, um, so it, like I said, it, it's really early in the season to be yeah. to be kind of evaluating this. I will say in the Hawkeye Ten, uh, one team that's kind of dropped off. They lost a lot was Denison Schlesweg. Uh, they, they lost to Glenwood the other night. Um, I think you know losing Alex Moores and such really takes it. They have some good yeah. players, but I think it's going to be a five hundred season for Denison Schlesweg. Looking at the Siouxland Siouxland Conference. Okaboji's at 4-0, no surprise. Central Lion, 4-0. Boyden Hall, 3-1. MLC Floyd Valley, 1-2. I think when we get into conference play here for, for the Siouxland Conference, you can see some really fun games there. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, we are, in, uh, we are in the conference play, too. I mean, like the big games. Central Lion with wins over a uh, 29.1 over Rock Valley. Um, so they, the, the big teams haven't played each other yet. I'm waiting for an Okaboji uh, versus Central Lion or Okaboji versus Boyden Hall game here yet. I'm sorry, Okaboji did play Boyden Hall to start the season. They beat him by almost 20 points. I kept thinking that was Rock Valley, but they also did just beat Rock Valley. So that could be interesting to see the, the Central Lion Okaboji kind of kind of run of things here too and, and, and where Boyden Hall fits and all that. I think right now we're looking at a Central Lion Okaboji one too, but like I said, it's a little early there too. Mm-hmm. Um, shifting to boys basketball here, uh, you were at the SBL West game and Daniel Wright did something he hasn't done before and and uh, that, that, that's one at West. And, you know, uh, just how impressive was his second half? Because 24 points in the second half really helped propel uh, Sergeant Buffalo into that last second win over West. Yeah, you know, you know, I before I turned on my, my reporter uh, for Daniel, I took his hand and I asked him, what can't you do? Because it's kind of true, because he's had a hell of a year in football. He had a really good year last year in baseball. He's probably going to have a really good year this year in baseball, but... But no, he was outstanding in the second half Tuesday I'll, night. Against, I'll answer. Against I'll West. answer that question for you. Pole vault. Oh, pole vault. Okay, well, he pole vault. Pole vault. Well, true because pole Iowa vault. doesn't have pole vault. Get on that Iowa. I want to see pole vault. Anyway, um, no, Daniel was was really good on Tuesday night, the second half. Adam Vandershaft admitted that he had to go in the locker room and kind of get on him a little bit. Right, knew that he didn't play well in the first half. He knew that it that it. Derek Fitzgerald was going to be the only one who was going to score. West was going to beat Sergeant Bluff, and that's not an insult to Derek Fitzgerald. Daniel Wright is it's the it's the wheel of that it's the cog of that wheel. So Wright just got going in like the first ninety seconds of the quarter and just started gaining momentum, and, and the Warriors kept finding him, and and Wright made himself present down down low. He he asked for the ball. He he gave himself an opportunity to get the ball in and he did what he was supposed to do with the ball. And then his last, his game winning shot on Tuesday night, just fading away, um, giving himself enough room to make the basket as time expired. That's, that's what you want in a star athlete. And, and 
he he epitomized that on Tuesday night, right? Did a really nice job scoring 24 points in the second half, like he said, and and that should give the Warriors a little bit of momentum heading into the weekend and into next week. But but Wright needs to do a better job of playing a full 48 minutes and not just 24. Is this a team kind of still finding its footing because they went I think so deep so. in the postseason for football and it's a lot of the same guys. You got Daniel Wright. You have Derek Fitzgerald. You have Jacob Emmy. You have Austin Freeberg. All of them were key cogs in that team uh, for Sergeant Bluff Luton. And, and how quickly do they need to find that footing? Because after they play North on Friday, they've got Lincoln. They've got East. They've got Western Christian. They've got Dakota Valley. They've got Scott <laughs> Catholic. And they've got a scrappy Helan team. And then they got Denison Schlesleg. All those teams are, present challenges and different challenges. So, I mean, I know it's early in the season, but mm-hmm. it seems like they have to find that, that footing quick because this could potentially be a deep team, but it didn't seem like it so far this year. And that's a good call, too, because I asked Daniel about that towards the end of the interview on Tuesday night saying, hey, are you guys fully in basketball mode yet? Because they did make it to the football semifinals. And he was like, no, we're still trying to get our footing. We're still trying to get our bodies acclimated to basketball and the guys who didn't go out for football or in mid-season form, but the guys who did play in football aren't there yet. It's going to have to take Christmas break. They, aren't, they won't be able to take time off over the holiday break to kind of get their bodies in check. They have to be in basketball mode by the time they, they return from the holiday break. And yeah, the, I know that's a long time. And yeah, they can't, you can tell me that they can't take a double couple of days off, which is true. But once they come out of that holiday break, like you said, Justin, their schedule doesn't get any easier. And they have to be acclimated. They have to have their bodies ready by the holiday break, or it may be too little too late. Yeah, and I'm going to point out Western Christian was down last year. They may be down again this year. It's still Western Christian. Dakota Valley with Paul Brunn, they're going to be a good team. Oh, my goodness. Omaha Scott Catholic, 23-5 and last year. So those are three games right out of that break, especially with sandwich, with the break sandwich in between Lincoln, who is three and zero, and and East, that's always the top of the conference. They want to win mm-hmm. the MAC. They've got to get that footing here right away. It seems, and yes. but but it seems like it's it, it's they're guys that know it. And with Vandercraft yeah. as coach, you've got Daniel Wright, you got Derek Fitzgerald, with, Jake with Lehman, the, with Jake Lehman too. He's he's a junior, and 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 I, I feel like with Derek Fitzgerald and Daniel Wright as the two seniors and. Austin Freeberg, even with those three and Andrew Vandemshaft, I really think they can they can write the ship ship the with that core. I think so too. I think they'll find a way to um, get themselves ready to go and find a way to compete with the East and for the React title. And that'll be fun to see uh, once we get into early to mid February. I should point out some of the other schedules. You know, after you get past that, there's some trustful game. You got Jefferson who's struggling. Lamar's, who played them three points and, and could have a pretty good team by then. Mm-hmm. West, who could have a good team by then. I don't know much about Papillion La Vista, but I'm going to guess they're good because they're, they're going down there. North. Then you got Lincoln, East, Heelan, Jefferson, South Sioux, and Lewis Central. There's no real gimmies on this roster at all. <laughs> so, so it's one of those things that if they get too far behind the eight ball, they're going to be in trouble going into the postseason. Yep. So. yep. I agree. Um, looking at the team, they beat West. West is right there, and this is a team that's pretty young. You lose Cliff McRae. Uh, you, you lose Aiden Belt. You lose a lot on that West team. Uh, there's also um, – you lose Micah Mickwell. Those are three just irreplaceable players, and those are three seniors that really led this team last year. Now you're kind of leaning on some youth, some Chase Smith, some Marcus McRae, some guys that didn't have seen as many minutes. You know, Kevion Hayes. Uh, Devontae Coleman might be able to provide some rebounds. Um, it, it's one of those things where where do they kind of stand, and, and, and is this a team that you know is going to be up and down to start the year? But by the time we get to the end of the season, with, with, with Coco coaching them, do you feel they're they're a legit threat? I've talked to Coco three times so far this month. All three times he's told me we're young, we're inexperienced, but we're learning. And I think that's going to take a toll on this team. Yeah, this team had some athletes. Marcus McRae, who had a 70-foot shot that I've never really ever seen before uh, in my time in basketball. Kevion Hayes does some things well. Chase Smith, like you said, finds ways to score. But this team isn't inexperienced. This team 
doesn't have the experience like an East has, like an SBL has. I think that's going to take a toll on them. And, and yeah, West will f- use their athleticism to find some wins along the way. But I think an experience does take a toll on this team. Now, whether that puts them in the bottom half of the conference, I think so, unfortunately. But I think that that's that's the big that's my big concern with this team. How quickly can this team learn? And if they can't, how far are they going to slide? That's a really good question. I mean, like their schedule is no easier than Sergeant Ball Fluton. You got East coming up on Friday. You're at Helan. You need to win that game. Then you're at Le- then you're at Lincoln. Then you have Omaha Scott, Lamar's North, Jefferson, Sergeant Ball Fluton again. Then Des Moines East, Des Moines East, Sioux City East, Helan again. Then you have Lincoln. Yeah, there, there's no real major gimmies. Even the game at Storm Lake, I know they lost a lot from last season. They could be dangerous by that time of year. Spencer, by that time of year, they could be they could be good again. You know, then you have Dakota Valley, and then we don't really know much about South Sioux yet. We'll find out more about there. But this is something where that the schedule could either eat them up or they could build next. Because while while they while Coco would say they're young, and Kevon Hayes is a freshman, Chase Smith, Marcus McRae, Kyrell Hanks. They're all seniors, so it's an uh-huh. experience. It's not, but you know that can be youthful at times. So it seems like, you know, McRae, Marcus McRae's Cliff's brother. So it's something where, hopefully, they learn those lessons and, and, and really take that step here at the end of the season. And I do think they learn those lessons, um, maybe maybe from a losing perspective. But I think they do lose. I think they do learn those lessons. I think the younger kids will be better for it, uh, may, especially at the end of the year and especially next year too. But I just don't see this team learning that quickly and being able to uh, stand tall with teams like East, uh, SBL, uh, Healing, and even, even I, I, yeah, just those three. But I like this West team. I like how they play. I like their effort. But I think they're just a tad too young, to, tad too young and a tad too inexperienced to swim with the big boys in the conference. Shifting to the Western Valley Conference here for the boys, I, I will point out here, River Valley is 3-0 in the season. But I'm waiting. They've got a game on Friday against OAB, or next Friday against OABCIG. They've got a 10-day break. I'm interested to see how that goes because you look at the Western Valley Conference, Lawton Bronson 4-0, River Valley 3-0, Siouxland Christian 3-0, and that's without Caden Buddy right now, who's, who's got to sit out because of transfer rules. Uh, and OABCIG at two and one, so this could be a really exciting Western Valley Conference. And to me, it centers around Lawton, Bronson, and OABCIG mm-hmm. right now. That's who it kind of won about last year. They had a really good rivalry last year. And Lawton, Bronson's off to that four and zero start. They really haven't beaten someone to their big. It's a big game Friday against Siouxland Christian. I feel they've been winning their games by all. Uh, I think they beat Galen by seven. Everything else has been double digits. Now you get a Siouxland Christian team that's playing pretty well. Um, what do you say about Slot and Bronson squad? I, I know they did. They did. Re- I know Ben Thielander returned. I didn't really know what else they had completely behind. I think I think Veronzi as well from football. So he's getting his footing there. But yep. the, the, this team, this team seems like you know a well coached team. Um, how big is this game against Sulan Christian? On I think it is absolutely huge. Will it decide the conference altogether? No, probably not. But it it will. Uh, put together some footing and deciding on who is the cream of the crop of the conference. Like you said, Thielander is playing well right now, averaging 14 a night, 42 points on the season. Uh, there's only one other player who's really scored as many, and that's Austin Trotter with 36. But you did mention Verzani. He's averaging 9.7 points per game. So he, so he's getting there in terms of scoring and double, having a double-digit average. And and this team, I think, is relying on getting those ins- inside uh, looks. They haven't really attempted many threes. They've only attempted 34 threes on the season. They've only made 10 of those. But they've made 140, 65 shots out of 147 and making six, 60% of their free throws. And Thielander is also crashing the boards as well. 13 offensive rebounds and 29 total and and. I think this team, um, if they have the size, they're going to use it. Now, I'm sure Siouxland Christian has the same amount of size. Um, Ridgeview, I'm sure, has some size. 
um, River Valley, I'm not, uh, I'm not totally sure about. But if Blanton Bronson has the ability to use that size, I, I don't know who's going to compete with that outside of maybe a Sue Lane Christian or maybe even an OABCIG with their athleticism. Yeah, OABCIG did lose tonight, uh, 75 to 40 to ESAC. I'm um, talking to their coach the other night when he called in. You know, they're really, uh, they're really trying to find their footing from the football season. Mm-hmm. Um, they're getting a few close games. Wayne Sealy goes later in the season. Cooper DeGene is is averaging twenty three point three points, though. I should mention that Siouxland Christian, their team with some height, but their height gets in foul trouble. And and Siouxland Christian's three and zero. What do you kind of expect out of them? They do get Caden Buddy here here after that. They don't really have a big win yet, but they got three guys averaging fifteen points or more. Is it a fluke? Is it something where, you know, I, I expected Christian Hale to do this. I was wondering what they'd really have around him. This team seems like it can kind of be built if they can get Christian uh, Hale to stay out of foul trouble. This team seems built like it could make a bit of a run. Yeah, I think they can too. And, and just watching Christian play football, I saw his athleticism. I see what how athletic he could translate from the football field to the basketball court. I think Suleyn Christian will be very competitive this year. My only question is, how do you only beat Trinity Christian by three? I think exactly. Trinity, how do you, I think Trinity Christian's a little bit down. You have their own four this year. Close slots on Tuesday to Hartley, Melvin, Sanborn. But, but I think that, that's an eye-opener for Trinity Christian, for Suleyn Christian, rather, to only beat Trinity Christian by three. <laughs> Excuse me. Was that a fluke? Was that was that just a bad night? Was it just a Saturday game, which I can understand teams playing Saturday games because my team back home always played like crap on Saturdays. So I, I I can understand I can empathize with that a little bit. But this schedule doesn't get any easier for Sue and Christian. Lyme Bronson on Friday night, Kingsley Pearson next week, um, also Heartland Christian next week, and then uh, one more against Cornerstone Christian next week as well. But um. Yeah, I think Sue and Christian will go on a little bit of a run here, but once they get back into um, conference play against, especially against a team like Woodbury Central, who has athletes, River Valley playing well, um, Ridgeview again, and then OABCIG. I'm just curious to see how they'll handle that January schedule and see if they can build some momentum before then. Shifting to the War Eagle Conference, we got Remsen St. Mary at three and zero, West Sioux at three and zero, Unity Christian at two and zero, Hinton at three and one, Hardly Melvin Sanborn is two and one. We have South O'Brien at two and one as well, and, and you know there's a lot of teams in there. It could get really wild here in the War Eagle. Remsen St. Mary's is picked by some people to be the number one team uh, out there. West Sioux is going to get plenty of votes. Unity Christian keeps this up; they're going to get votes. Hinton with a good start to the year, and South O'Brien with a good start to the year. Um, you know, uh, granted, Unity hasn't beaten anyone yet, but we're looking at Remsen right now, 3-0, West Sioux, 3-0, and South O'Brien, I, what, their losses to West Sioux by one point. So, you know, you mentioned South O'Brien. How, how crazy could this War Eagle Conference be, and how much fun could it be? Right this is going to be a fun conference. This conference has some athletes in it, and let's start with the Hawks. They're um, starting off with 3-0. They beat Hinton by 15 on Tuesday night. Uh, a, state, just, a state tournament team from last year, too. Yeah, state tournament team uh, from the other night. And Spencer Shorek led that team with 18 points. Um, Skyler Waldschmidt had nine. Um, Brady Holman came off the bench scoring 12. So if, if Brady Holman can come off the bench and do that on a nightly basis for the Hawks, yeah, the Hawks team is going to be a tough one to contend with. Shorek leading the Hawks with 16.3 points per game and Waldschmidt. Uh, having 11 points per game right now. And um, yeah, I, I like this Grimson team. I think they will be competitive, but there is another, another team full of athletes, and that's what's Sue. And they're 3-0-2, averaging, what, 80-plus points a game, scoring 124 the other night against Akron Westfield and starting out the season with a one-point win against South O'Brien. And I think that's the, I think that's the big one right there, beating a – Good South O'Brien team. Um, they did have four guys in double for the Falcons who scored in double figures that night, led by Bryce Kopic of 18. And I think Kopic's going to be the X factor of this team coming over from a program like New Old Fonda, giving 
the Falcons, just that extra level of athleticism, giving them, giving them that extra option on the on the forward, taking thing, taking a little bit of focus away from guys like Kay Wynott, Hunter Deckers, Baxter Walsh. I think that's I think that's what's the Remsen game. Whenever it is, it's going to be a really fun one to watch. Um, let's see when that game is. They play. They play on January seventh in Remsen, and then they turn around and play February tenth in Hayward. And so, I think those two games will be will be uh, heavyweight fights. No question about that. And then, of course, you have Unity uh, off to a good start. Hinton off to a really good start. Um, basically, everybody's above five hundred against except Galen, Trinity, Akron, and MMC or you. So when you see teams like that be at 500 or better, you can't ask for more than that, and that's going to make for a really fun competitive competitive conference stretch. Stop me if I'm wrong here. Rumson is 1A and Westu is 2A, correct? I believe so. I think you're right. I yep, think yep, you're right based on, on quick sets they are. So I'd, that is good because, I mean, while it could come down to that, I, and you mentioned Bryce Kopic. He was so good for New Fonda last season. Just that inside-outside combo. I, I think a lot of people are going to be putting Westu in their top three, maybe as their top team in basketball. Cause yeah, Hunter, I would too. Uh, we should mention Hunter Duckers did break the career scoring record at Westu. Um, leaving me to my next question. Who's better at pole vault, Daniel Wright or Hunter Duckers? <laughs> um, let's do it. Let's, let's get to so, one for April. So there we go. I, so, I think that, uh, I think might, that might be some... would call us asking us not to do that, though. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think USF would be calling us. Yeah, USF well, would be calling, so. too. That's true. Yep. So, um, so, yeah, the War Eagle could get pretty crazy, too. Um, you know, one conference I haven't looked a lot at uh, was the Siouxland, Siouxland Conference. Which is probably the last one I should be ever ignoring, but I will point out West Line is two and zero, and I'm, I'm going to look see who they played here. They played George Little Rock in Central Line. They beat George Little Rock by five. George Little Rock has been a very good team these last few years. Central Lion, mediocre, beating them by two. This is a team that went all the way in the playoffs. So I, I, I want to see a little bit more. They got Rock Valley. They got Rock Valley on Friday. Um, Rock, so that, that's a tough one right there. Then they play St. Thomas More at the Sanford Pentagon on Saturday. We'll see how they do this weekend. So, yeah, St. Thomas More coming all the way from Rapid City. Um, For those that don't know, that is a school out in Rapid City. Um, For those that know uh, Sierra Duffy at uh, at USD, that is where she's from. Um, That's where the two Duffy sisters are from in that aspect. So, just like all the yarns are from Crofton. Um, So, I'm interested to see how Westline does because, you know, you you look at their basketball roster – Logan Meyer, Jalen Graham said, Jackson Meyer, and and, and that's kind of my, uh, their leading score is Jalen Gramstad with twenty five points per game. So I, I'm 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 looking forward to see what this West Line team can do. I know I kind of sprung this one on me. I'm I'm sitting here flipping through all the quick stats, but MLC Floyd Valley is three and one, Okaboji's three and one, Boyden Hall's three and one. Rock Valley's two and one. Sioux Center is two and one. Hey, it's your typical Siouxland yep. conference season early on. Anyone can win it, and there could be three teams that are like, maybe we can go to state. So I'm looking hey, forward to see that out of the Siouxland conference. The thing, the thing that intrigues me the most about West Line, and we talked a little bit about this with uh, SBL too, is how much are they kind of transitioning from football over to basketball too? And granted, they've had an extra week of football. And then basically everybody else except the ABCIG, uh, extra week of football too. So I guess I I think that does matter. I think it absolutely does because when Montezuma went to state football in 2006, lost the state championship game to St. Albert, and then had like an eight-day turnaround between the state title game and I think our first game, I think, started out slow. And it did affect the team and finally got the footing around at Christmas time. But I think that does make a difference when um, a small school makes makes a deep football playoff run. They have to turn right around and get ready for the basketball season. And, and yeah, I do realize West Lyon has athletes at their school, but it does take some time to get your body acclimated from football to basketball if you're going to make that transition. Now, granted, I, I don't know. I, I'm guessing football to wrestling is less of a transition, but I'm guessing football to basketball, from a body adjustment standpoint, from a physicality standpoint, it's a different adjustment. 
kind of depends on position for wrestling. And, yeah. and I was impressed with West Lions win because they got uh, one of them against George Little Rock, who's 0-3 to start the season. This is a team that only lost four games last year, but they did lose Caleb Turhawk. They did lose Lucas Nagel, both who graduated. Um, I, I believe Nagel graduated. Yeah, Nagel graduated. They do They do have Peyton Mulvey in there, and I think they're trying to gel around him right now. But, I mean, just if you're trying to gel early in the conference, yeah. it's such a good conference. So, um, oh so we'll see how that, that kind of plays out, too, because I'm, I'm interested to see how, how that goes. Um, shifting to wrestling, uh, we'll get some wrestling points in here. Uh, Sergeant Bluff Luton tournament this past weekend. Um, boy. I'm sorry we couldn't be there. I mean, the semifinal game with Morningside, uh, you know. Catch a volleyball key, tournament. But, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this about Sergeant Bluff Luton wrestling. They really opened my eyes. I, this is their first big tournament of the season, and it, it's one of those things where I didn't know what to quite expect. It was a loaded tournament. But Sergeant Bluff Luton, after losing what they did, really came back and, and really made some noise at their, at their own tournament, finishing second. I know that's not first, but they weren't going to finish first. Millard South was going to take that. They're a rank, They're one of the top-ranked teams in Class A in Nebraska. Sergeant Bluff Luton finished ahead of Papillion La Vista, who was ranked number seven in Class A. So they, they, they edged Papillion La Vista, did really well in the final rounds. Some stuff just really stuck out. Jack Galco, we all know how good he is. He's so good. He wrestled up at 152 right now, which you see a lot early in the season, taking on Underwood's Blake Thompson, one of the best 152ers in the state. Gets Thompson with a 3-2 decision for, for the 152-pound title at the tournament. That's a huge win for Jack. Just with the way Blake Thompson wrestles, that's a very physical match. And Jack was able to, to gut that one out. And that's going to pay dividends when you get to the state tournament. This is a kid that's wrestled for the title back-to-back years. It's just such a heady kid. And he, 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 I, he has his, his hero is Colton McChrystal, who wrestled for two state titles and get it came back and won two state titles in Mexico, Nebraska. So he's trying to follow that same mold here. And, you know, he's, he's only a junior, and he just knocked off Blake Thompson to start the year. Blake Levy, he's a guy I thought was going to take that next step this year, and he proved it by winning the title. Beats Cole Wiegert, who's number nine in three. I know it's not number two or whatever with Blake Thompson. That's a big win for Blake Levy to show he does belong in these rankings, and he could be a guy that scores at the state tournament for Sergeant Bluff, which now we're talking about it. Now that they finished second over Napoleon La Vista, I'm going to flat out say they're going to be looking at who scores at state now. You know, uh, Nate Curry, the runner-up at 132. Ty Kudum, third at 126. That was big. So they, they got some guys to score up there. And I, it's a young team that's only going to continue to get better um, because you're going to have a Nate Curry that, that, that comes in like that. Um, the running back for Sergeant Bluff Luton, whose name is escaping me right now, uh, at the end of the, Corey Bates. Corey Bates is transitioning from football, so that's something there. We'll see what uh, Wade Fair does for this wrestling team. It's his first year out, so we'll see what Wade Fair does there too. So that, that's something I saw from there. Um, there were some big upsets at this tournament too. Um, Spencer's Brogan Sear, who I have no idea who he is, unranked, pulling off the, the upset over Chase, uh, Chase Huyer, um from Sioux Center, pinned him for the 195 title. That's a guy whose name we got to watch out for right, right away now too. Uh, I will say this for, for Woodbury Central. It stinks that Wade Mitchell is out for the year. That is a returning yeah. state champion. Uh, I feel for the guy. Um, hey, man, I hope you get better. You're going to have a great career at Northern Iowa. Um, sucks that you're out right now. Uh, Bo Klingensmith, the guy that wrestled for a title, he he won the 126-pound title over, over a ranked kid from Papillion La Vista. Pinned him. That's a big win for Bo right there. So that, uh, Sioux Center's Zachary Rosenboom, unranked, knocks off the number three kid from Papillion La Vista, uh, number three kid in A and 182 pounds. Now you keep track of Zachary Rosenboom's name. So um, Good first name, some, kid. Yeah there, there, yeah, there are some good upsets there. I really liked what I saw to Bo Smith, Jack Gakel, and, and Jack Alcol, and, and that Sergeant Bluff Luton team. Um, I know it's early in the season. Adam Howard's from West Sioux. West Sioux is wrestling just so well right now, too, in their early season matchups. Um, uh, they, they've got a loaded 1A class because Lisbon's wrestling really well. Um, people won't care about this, but Mr. Happel out there in Lisbon not knocking off nationally ranked wrestlers this past weekend. Hmm. Um, it was a really good weekend for Iowa wrestling um, in terms of knocking off some, some kids from other states. So that was good to see. Still early in the season, though. Uh, 
Central Line, George Lorock is off to a good start. They got picked up two more conference wins tonight. Uh, Jarrett Meyer got his hundredth win. I, I believe, you know, it's I, I believe I believe it was Jarrett Meyer. Um, it could be Kalen Meyer because I have a t- tough time keeping those brothers apart because they're both beasts. So, um, so Central Line, George Lorock, they they could be a sleeper team too, right there in in two A. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like it was a crazy tournament on Saturday. And I'll, I'll emulate what you say there. I wish we could have been there, but a lot going on last weekend. But uh, there's a lot of wrestling left to go in the season. And what else are you seeing for teams that like for teams that weren't at the SBL tournament? I know there's a big tournament going on Saturday in Spencer. What are you looking for there? Yep. Next Saturday uh, in Spencer, Sergeant Bluff Lutman. Central Line, we'll, we'll touch a little bit more next week, but you know, I want to see where Central Line finishes with Sergeant Bluff Luton in this. What kind of some of those other kids do? What does Boyden Hall Rock Valley do at that tournament? Boyden Hall Rock Valley picked up wins this past week against North and South Sioux. I know that doesn't sound amazing. That's a school that's smaller than those two schools, beating both of them, and they beat them, you know, handily a bit. So, you know, that that's really nice for Boyden Hall Rock Valley. Can they build on it? Can they build on what Jackson Rosenboom did there? They got Jackson Rosenboom. And Chris Vanderbrink, Van Terbrink, I, yeah, they, they got a pretty good heavyweight. And, and so if they can build around that, put in the pieces, where do they kind of fit in here too? Uh, where, where do they finish in that tournament too? Can I be the number three team? Is Sioux Center the number three team? Um, right now it, it, it's Sergeant Bluff Luton and, and Central Line. Let's see who picks up behind them or see if Sergeant Bluff Luton and Central Line run away with that tournament. Anything else you're looking at wrestling-wise? Uh, it's pretty early in the season. Some of those kids are coming off football football campaigns. So I'm kind of giving a little time here right now. Once once we get past the new year, once we get past the holiday season where these kids get that little bit of allowance on weight, that's when I'm, <laughs> that's when things really amp up. You know, you'll have the Lamar stream. You'll have some really good tournaments. Um, once we turn over to the new year, I'm going to try and be at as many Saturday tournaments as I can. Yeah, every, every week going to try and be at a Saturday tournament. Probably, probably not the Senos weekend, but I'm going to try and get it. At a, at a bunch of tournaments, so to get to get the the full scale of things. Yep, yep, and uh, we're looking forward to that coverage, and uh, and I'll I'll be have the week, the midweek coverage of basketball as we uh, get into the into the uh, new year too. And Matt, I'm looking for I'm looking for that too in terms of basketball, just letting things play out a little bit as things get closer to the holidays, and once the holiday uh, break comes around on the Iowa side, take a deep breath a little bit, then flip the calendar put up the new calendar and to see how things go in the uh, 20 as 2020 begins. Make sure to check out SiouxCityJournal.com for all the coverage, both high school, college, musketeers, uh, everything you, you're looking for in the area. We've got it for you up at SiouxCityJournal.com. For sports editor Justin Retz, this is assistant sports editor Zach James. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we'll talk to you next week.